thank you so much for coming today. So glad you're here. Praise the Lord. I am so excited that you're here. Now, we have started a new series two weeks ago. We called it Growing Up. And in this series, Growing Up, we said that God wants to grow. If there's anything that God wants to do in your life, it's to grow your faith big. It's to grow your faith ginormous. Like God wants to grow your faith. There's nobody who wants it. God doesn't just want you to walk around with poquito faith. God doesn't just want you to walk around with little faith. God wants you to walk around with big faith. And we said there's, now there's more than these, but we we said that there's five critical, six critical components to growing your faith big. And the first one we said is that you got to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Does that make sense, right? That we would say that in a Christian church, right? Yes, that Jesus Christ needs to be your Lord and Savior. Now, for those of you who are new, who are still kicking your Christian tires, you're on your way. And I'm so grateful that you're here. I am so glad you're here. You keep coming back. For those of you who have received Jesus, what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to, I want, I don't want Jesus to be Jesus among other idols. In other words, you worship your girl, you worship your man, you worship your job, you worship your money, you worship your ability, you worship your intelligence, and Jesus can help you with your man, your job, your ability, and intelligence. So Jesus is like one more thing to help you in life. What I don't want you to do is do that. We said that we need to receive Jesus and him alone. It's, it's, it, let me tell you, Jesus in the morning, Jesus in noontime, Jesus at supper time, like it's Jesus every minute. And just in case you didn't know, this church is all about, like it, it begins with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We worship Jesus. We are, all, I mean, if you just don't like Jesus, you're going to have a tough time throughout this sermon because G, it's Jesus, all right? So just so we can be clear, right? And that's what we said the first week. The second week, we said that God, well, first we need Jesus. Secondly, we said that God wants to grow your faith by helping you to do his word, right? That first we have to believe in Jesus, but then we have to start doing God's word, not just reading God's word, not just crying when we're exposed to God's word, not just being moved emotionally at a sermon, but actually, this is crazy, I know, you won't hear this in many places, doing God's word, that when you read God's word or when you hear it preached, that you would actually be moved to do something, that those of you who are living um, with your um, with a person that's not your spouse, that you would just say, you know what, I think I'll move to mom's house. I'll move to dad's house because I just don't want to live in sin. That some of you who are, are still actively using, and I know that you know, some of you guys here really struggle and you relapse and you want to get clean. And you know what, that God's word says, be, watch this, be drunk on the spirit. In other words, the word drunk there is being controlled. Like, don't be controlled by wine and liquor and crack and heroin and all that other stuff. No, no, no. Be controlled by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Well, you know, just doing God's Word. That was, so that was the first week was about trusting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We did that on Easter. Last week was about growing in um, uh, doing God's Word. That's how God's going to grow our faith. Because as you do God's Word, our faith grows. We, te- we see God work in our lives. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Now, this week, we're going to talk about Godly relationships. God wants to help you grow by using godly relationships. In other words, God is going to bring a friend, 
a, a, a co-worker, a cousin, a sister, a brother, a father, a mother. He's going to send someone to your life that will help to influence you in Christ. Now, I'm gonna, we're going to play a game here, okay? Now, the first thing, if you're, if you're new to church, the first thing, I ain't going to do nothing that that dude tells me. He's got a pink shirt on. I don't listen to dudes with pink shirts. I understand. I understand. I feel you. And if I was sitting in your chair, I'd probably think the same thing, okay? But here's what I'm saying. I want you all to play. I want you all to play. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do in just a few minutes, and we'll tell you a little bit more about where we're going today, and then we'll go. Okay, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to get out from your seat. (laughs) Already it's getting tough, right? (laughs) All right, get out from your seat. I want you to get out from your seat, and I want you to walk to someone. At least find one person that either you don't know or you don't know well. And I want you to tell them, listen to what I want you to tell them. I want you to tell them who was the person that influenced you to surrender your life to Jesus. Now, let me just say this. Now, as you're thinking about that, right, and you're going, I don't want to go to nobody else. I don't, you know, I don't like strangers. And that's why you're in church, right? I understand. So listen, what I want you to do is there was someone, unless you're like the exception to the rule, very, very few people in the world have ever received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior without, without someone somehow, a co-worker, a friend. Did you, you know, if you say it was all, you probably, you're not really, you, you don't understand the work that God has been doing in your life for a while. I mean, it's usually, almost every time, I haven't, especially in America, it's so prevalent. Um, to, but now, so I want you to go and tell them who was the person that influenced you to walk towards Jesus. So that's what you're going to be doing. Now, you're sitting here and you're going, but wait, I haven't received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I don't like Jesus. Or I think Jesus is a great teacher. Wherever you fall, you know, you might think that Jesus is a really cool dude. He's a great teacher. Maybe not God. That's fine. Listen, wherever you are in your faith walk, what I want you to do is who invited you to even consider coming to a church? Even consider Jesus Christ. Like, why aren't you in a, in a, in a, uh, a temple or a mosque? Why aren't you, why are you in a church? Like, surely. So everybody can play, all right? Now, I'm going to give you about three minutes to do this, so you got no time to find someone, so you just get up, find someone as soon as you can. Will you, all right, wait, before we do this, I love you, I love you, that is so great. That's the kind of enthusiasm I want to see. I love you, Valentina, that's awesome. That's the kind of enthusiasm I want to see, all right? So now, are are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? All right, wait, are you going to do it? Be, like, be really excited. Are you going to do it? Yeah. All right. One, two, three, go. I know you guys would, some of y'all would talk forever, um, so I need you to go ahead. All right. All right. Now, that's as much talking as I want you to do for the rest of the service, okay? All right. I'm so glad. Okay. Now, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting? And before, let me, before I even go there, let me tell you three people who influenced me greatly. And, and some of them I haven't seen since the day they influenced me. Some of them I see from occasion. Okay, I'll give you three people. One was named Eric Penzik. He was the first guy who ever proclaimed like Christianity in any way that made sense to me. He was a, a bass player in my funk band. Yes, I'm that cool. I was in a funk band. And so when I played guitar, he played bass. He was the best, player I ever met, um, best bass player I ever played with. He's amazing. And he influenced me. That was Eric. Another guy who totally... And what he would simply do is just like each day when we would come out, I would just... And I don't know why I would ask these questions. I mean, I know now it's the Holy Spirit kind of arranging it all. 
But I would ask him a question, he would answer him, and he would just, you know, answer him and then some. But it was just awesome, right? Eric Penzing. There was this other guy. When I was around 13 years old, some of you should know this, especially you young people who are going through this. I did not have anybody to guide me as I was growing up. So I started to get really confused about sexuality. Really, really confused. Not a little bit. I had experimented when I was a young, young boy. And I know this, this is like 90% of our story. We, we experiment and it messes us up. And some of us make our identity because of that. But I started to experiment with boys and, and all this other stuff. And so I didn't have anybody to guide me or, or, or lead me or anything like that. And so by the time I was 13 years old, I thought, because of the emotions, the thoughts, and the things that were going on, I thought I was going to be gay for the rest of my life. I know this is a hot-button topic. I'm just going to tell you my story. And, you know, you do with it what you want. Um, but so I, I was, I was going to, you know. And I was already convinced. I was even thinking about how am I going to tell my brother. I even tried to one time. And he said something to this effect. If you ever said anything like that to me, I would punch you in the face. I was like, I'm not telling him that. Oh, it's good to see you. And so what happened? I was like, I was real nervous, but I knew that, that I was leaning towards that way a lot. And so I thought I was going to be gay for the rest of my life. So what I did was um, I, I, I went to school in the seventh and eighth grade. I went to school 30 times in the seventh, put the seventh and eighth grade together, maybe 40, 50 times. But like, I think there's like 200 and plus days in the school year. Right. I managed to go like 20 days each year. It was just awful. I hardly ever went. So much so that they put me in the youth service, dropout, prevent, it was like a real long name, but I remember the last thing was like dropout prevention program that I was with the worst of the worst, right? These are the dudes that you don't want to mingle with the normal kids who actually want to go to school and learn, right? That was the class I was in. Well, all right. So I went to that, uh, I went to that class maybe, and I'm telling you, it was, I don't know why I went because I didn't have anybody to hang out with. Maybe the weather was too cold. I didn't want to play hooky that day, but it was like one, I, I maybe went to school once a month, maybe. And the day that I went to school, they put me in my class, you know, the drop-off prevention program class, and I sat down, and this teacher said, opened up like this, I don't know his name, I've never, I might have seen him other times, but I've never spoken to him again, if I hope that he's a Christian so I can thank him in heaven, because he changed, this, this talk changed my life. He opened up, now you have to understand, we were the worst of the worst, and so he came up, and he said, hey, do you guys, uh, you know, do you ever have, you know, do you guys have a struggle with sexuality? And we were like, oh, what you trying to, you know, and we were just goofing on him. I said, you know, you, what, do you, what happens when you mention sex in front of a bunch of 13 years old, right? Giddiness, stupid jokes, right? Well, we were no different, right? So he, he mentioned it. And then he said, do you, some of you have, you know, same-sex attractions? And he didn't call it because we didn't call it same-sex attractions. Some of you, you know, you're, you, you think you might be gay or you might be. And I was, and in my mind, now in my mouth, I was making fun of him. You got to understand, I had an image to protect. It's almost like when, remember when you were on welfare and somebody brought up food stamps and you made jokes about food stamps? I know I'm not the only one. Yeah, right. And so, and so you made fun about food, but you know, you, you know, you lived on food stamps and God forbid your mother should send you to the store, right, with the food stamps. You'd, you'd about steal the food before you use the food stamps. That was me. Okay, sorry, but I digress. Um, so... So he, I'm, I'm saying, I'm calling him names. I'm making fun of him, along with everybody else. And in my mind, I'm going, keep going, keep going, 
keep going. He took 25 minutes. He took a beating, a verbal beating from a bunch of kids who just didn't know any better. And he said, this is normal. Nobody ever told me that. He said, it'll pass. That if you don't give in to it and you don't feed it, just like, you know, hey, look, I, I, like any, any temptation that you might have, you know, to drink or to smoke or whatever, if you don't give in to it, you don't feed it, it will pass. If you feed into it, it'll grow. What this guy's name is, I don't know. What this guy, I, I would have, let me tell you something, I would not be in front of you here today if God hadn't given me that moment with that guy. I don't know his name. I don't know where he lives. I, I can't even remember his face. He'll have to introduce himself to me in heaven. What I'm saying is that throughout my life, I can put the pieces, and there were more, there were more, I can put the pieces together and see how God used people to draw me closer to himself. And isn't it true that you do the same thing? That if you really examine your life, you'll see how God, now it wasn't like, uh, I didn't design that. I didn't have that teacher speak on that. I didn't get Eric saved. Dominic, there was a third guy, Dominic. Actually, when I was older and I was, I was, I was making, um, I, I won't tell you the, the uh, anonymous group I was, you know, but I was making anonymous meetings, 12-step meetings, right? And, um, and so I, I just didn't want anything to do with God. I was just like, you know, kind of doing my thing. I had principles, but I had no power. But I thought that was fine, and who cares? I'll just live like that, right? And so what happened was this guy, I, and he was the only cool guy I remember from high school. I remember thinking to you know, remember how like there are some people in, in high school that were cool, and you thought, man, I'd like to be like them. You know, he had the one earring, right, right? And then now you have to have an earring like in your nose and in your eyelid in order to be cool, right? But he had like the one earring. No, I'm sorry, he didn't have one earring. He had two earrings. And he was, I thought he was, and he dressed really cool. And I was just, Dominic was his name. I saw Dominic on the street a decade later. I didn't see him for years and years and years. And he said, yeah, I, I, I'm saved. God, you know, I, I'm a Christian. You want to come to church? You know what I said, right? What all of y'all say when the first time I ask you if you want to come to church. Sure. What time is your service? That's the most, that's the biggest, and then you don't come. I understand, but you're here now. I'm glad. So, right? I said, sure. What time is the service? He said, it's 11 o'clock. He goes, yeah, no kidding. He goes, oh, so where are you at now? I said, oh, I live over here and blah, blah, blah. Didn't, didn't think anything of it. What happens? Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, I'm in the bath. Edwin, do they still do that in your neighborhood? They do that in mine. Edwin, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. So, you know, you dab, and, uh, and you put your head out the window, and he's like, he's dressed cool, and like, come on, let's go. I'll take you there myself. True story. I never went back to church with him again, but it opened my heart. It opened my heart to something great. And when I did go to church, I went back to the same building because it was the only building I knew two years later. It was the only Christian church I knew two years later. Well, now God did some supernatural things, and we're not talking about that today. We're just talking about how God will use. They're, they're providential. In other words, you can't organize it. You're not that smart to make things like that happen. I didn't meet Dominic. I, I didn't intend to meet Dominic. I didn't have him. I didn't, I didn't want him to pick me up from the thing. I didn't, Eric, I didn't want, I didn't know that he got saved. And, and when he did, you know, it's a, and with the teacher, I didn't know he was going to speak about the subject. But God used these weird moments in the context of relationship to grow my faith. Now, here's something that I know is universal because when I asked this, I bet not one of you thought, and you'd be the exception if you did, 
I bet very few of you thought, well, no one has ever helped me in my faith walk. I've never had that. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know who to talk about. That thought did, probably did not come. Maybe one of you or something. You're the, again, you'd be the exception to the rule. But you don't. Why? Because all of us have a story about God sending the right people in the right place at the right time to create this spark of faith. Now, that's good news. Here's the problem. I could have asked another question. I could have said, now, who in your life has ever driven you away from God? What was her name, right? What was his name? And you'd be able, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, right. I remember he promised me the world and didn't deliver a block. Right, I remember that guy. Or, or you would say, well, you know, I, all of us could think right now to a phone call we wish we hadn't returned, a bed we wish we hadn't slept in, a person we wish we hadn't met, uh, an act we wish we hadn't taken. There is, and, and if you think about all those times, and when you think about the first time you drank, the first time you smoked, the first time you were in a stolen car, the first time you were, wherever you, whatever sin is in your life, when you think of the first time, very rare, again, you'd be the exception to the rule. You go, oh, I did, I thought about that all by myself. That's why your mom said, do you remember what your mom said, right? Show me your friends and... I'll show you who you are. Yeah, I'll show you who you are. Sure. Now watch this. Here's what, here's what, here's what we're going to discover. Now this is, the big, this is the only idea I want you to leave with today. Okay? So I want you to pay attention because some of you have shut me off. And you go to sleep and you start thinking about bills and, and laundry lists and going to work and getting the kids ready. So right now, I want you to pay attention because this is big. If you, just, you could almost leave right after I said this sentence because this is the point of the whole sermon. You ready? Friends determine your future. To a large degree, friends determine your future. And for some of you, a light bulb just went off. You understand the last 20 years. You understand how you, how, how am I here in a detox six times in the last three years? How did I get here? Oh, oh, because friends determine. And some of you, wait, I was smoking crack two years ago, but now I'm worshiping Jesus here. How did I get here? Oh, wait. I know. Because friends, to a large degree, they're not everything, determine your future. And God will use friends to grow your faith. And it's a principle that works whether you believe it or not, whether you... Uh, 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 attribute it to your heart or not, whether you practice it or not, this works whether you do it on the positive sense or you do it on the negative sense. Friends determine your future. Not everything, but they have a huge impact on your future. It's why when some of you have been coming to church for three months, what happens? You get around your old friends and they start talking about other gods, other philosophies, other ways of life. They invite you to a club. And they do all that stuff. And all of a sudden, you get influenced another day, another way. Why? Why do you think that happens? I bet you know. Because, say it with me. Friends determine. It's a huge, it's a huge principle. 
Now, we're going to look at a king. I want everybody to turn. Shelly just read it. I want everybody to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 24. If you don't have a Bible, we thought about you and we absolutely love you. There is a uh, uh, um, sermon map on the inside of your bulletin. And if you take that out, it'll have the whole chapter there. We can't do the whole chapter. We just don't have the time. But you can read it when you get home. And we're just going to skim through it. But we're going to see a king whose name is Joash. Joash. And let me just... Now, I want you to take that out. By the way, if you can't read that font, we have on the screen, we're going to be throwing up the scriptures for those of you who are over 40. I love that joke because I'm not over 40. So I like... Yeah, sorry. None of you guys like it too much. All right, sorry. I won't say it again. Okay, here we go. Um, so what we're going to... Now stick with me, because i got to give you this story. you got to hear this story if you're going to understand the passage that we're going to go through. Okay. In the book of um, First and Second Anything in the Old Testament are history books. And they give you the history of Israel mostly focusing on the kings. Right? They focus on the leaders of anybody. If you want to, the Bible, by the way, is the greatest book on leadership you ever wanted to learn about. Because it's just, I mean, you know, it's just, if every time you see king, you replaced it with leader, you would be very well, um, you would do very well in leadership. Now watch this. First and second, anything. First and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. In the Bible, talk about the kings. And they look at it from three different perspectives, right? Samuel looks at it from one perspective, Kings looks at it from another perspective, Chronicles looks at it from another perspective. Now, so this story comes up in each one of those two, uh, well, not each one, but in, um, in, definitely, in Chronicle, uh, definitely in Chronicles and definitely in Kings. Now, watch this. Here's the deal. This is huge. Joash is seven years old. And by the way, this is not a very, you know, this is not a very civilized, uh, at this point, they're not being very civilized. If you were a threat to the throne, they kill you. And if you just want to find out about that a little bit, just read the paragraph just before um, chapter 24. And you find out how Athaliah um, killed all of Joash's brothers, anybody who was a potential um, uh, heir to the throne, right? She kills him. What happens? Joash, during that time, has a relationship, a person who he didn't choose. It was chosen for him. It was a woman who was taking, a, a, a nanny, taking care of him. So when all his brothers are getting killed, she hides him. As an infant, she hides him. Hides him and puts him away, keeps him safe, so that this queen doesn't find out about his existence, so he doesn't die. You should read your Bible. There is intrigue and excitement. Read your Bible. It's fantastic. Read your Bible. Go home and read this. This is exciting. Now watch this. So then... There's another, so she saves him. Now watch this. As an infant, can you save yourself? Absolutely. Can you choose the kind of woman who comes around and does the nanny thing for you? No. It's God who brings around those relationships that help you to grow in Christ. Now, watch this. After a while, about a few years, he's about seven years old. Stick with me. He, there's a priest, and I want, Jeho, I need to pronounce his name just right. It's Jehoiada. Jehoiada, the priest, knows that he risks his own life. So first he has a nanny risk her life to save him. Praise God for her. And we have a Jehoiada risk his life. And what he does is he speaks to the commanders and he says, this is the king. And we need to honor God. And this is from, he's from the line of David. And that's the way we need to go. And so he comes. And there's like this big to-do. And like, you know, it's like armies, men with swords out. Very exciting. People die. It's like more exciting than most of the movies you watch, right? And it's just 
R-rated. It's crazy what happens, right? Riot breaks out, but he's the king. It's like, you know, they troop into it, and it's like, you know, nobody touches the king, and he's in the middle of the circle. They got the sword out. It's, it's on, right? What happens is that he becomes king at seven years old. And this Jehoiada follows him throughout his life. And it's a huge blessing. And I want you to hear what the Bible says about their relationship. Because it's incredibly indicative of what we're talking about in this talk. Let's look at Joash. Because remember, Joash is the king. Jehoiada is the priest. But this is how God uses people to influence and grow. So if we look at verse 1 through 3... The Bible reads in 2 Chronicles 24, it reads as follows. Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 40 years. His mother's, his mother's name was Zibiah. She was from Beersheba. Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. I want us to read the rest of this verse together. All right? One, two, three. All the years of Jehoiada the priest. Look up at me. Did you catch that? That's the second time we read that today. Did you catch that? He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord so long as Jehoiada was alive. So long as Jehoiada influenced his life. So long as he was surrounded by godly people who would influence him in a godly way to Bless others in Christ. So long as he followed Jehoiada, so long as Jehoiada was alive, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And isn't it true? Isn't it true that some of your stories begin like, you know, you go, well, how did you get here? And it also, it, it's like these six words. It all started with these friends. Isn't it true that some of your stories start off that way? And isn't it also true that some of your, your stories in Christ start out that way? You know, I just, there was a co-worker in my job, and she invited me to church, and she annoyed me, but I figured if I went once, she'd let me, you know, uh, you know she would stop annoying me. And some of y'all are here because of that, right? It's your spouse, it's your co-worker, it's your friend, it's somebody you met on the bus or on the train, it's somebody you haven't seen in years, right? And so, watch this. But what happens? What happens? Let me give you what happens. Um, Joash starts to live his life, and we all read it in the chapter. I'll just give you a brief synopsis. Joash starts to live his life, and he starts to do great things. Him and Jehoiada, they start this capital campaign to repair the temple. This is important because that's where all worship of God took place. And so the way you view, you know how like if you see somebody's desk, you can take, a, you know, you get an idea of what their life's like, right? Chaotic desk, chaotic life. Okay, right? Have you ever experienced that, right? Okay, right. Uh, maybe you haven't thought about that. All right, you should... Yeah, okay. So, all right. So, um, what happened was, as long as... So, uh, the temple, right? So, uh, what happened was, is they said, you know what? We think that God is more important, more beautiful, more wonderful, and he deserves our fullest worship. So, what did they, what did they do? They started to work on the temple. They just said, you know what, we're going to fix this place up. It's going to be fantastic, and we're going to worship God this way. Now, he invested finances. He invested men. He invested, why? Because this would honor God. This would bring up, this would be wonderful. 
He got married, and he lived a guided life. He had kids, and he had many. In fact, the Bible says he had many children. You can read it in that chapter. He had many children. He was doing God's will. The priests didn't do their job right. And he came up to him and said, come on, guys. He even asked Jehida, come on, Jehida. The guys aren't doing their jobs. They're not living for Jesus enough. They're not what, Like he was influenced by the godly people that were around him. And his life demonstrated that. Then something weird happened. Pretty natural, actually. I want you to jump down to verse 20. In the same chapter, 2 Chronicles chapter 24, verse 20. Then the Spirit of God... Oh, no, no we, we jumped too soon. Okay. Um, in the, I have to tell you this because I, I don't have... Uh, in the same chapter, what happens is Jehoiada dies. He dies. He, and we read it in the chapter. He dies at a ripe old age, like 130 or so. And so, I mean, that's like really old, right? Don't you want to live to that old? I think the oldest person who's alive right now is like 120 or between 115 and 120. That's, you know, so 130 is pretty old, right? He dies. You know what happens? At that point, men from princes from Jerusalem come and start influencing him. Isn't that? And they start playing this music in the background. And... Um, Everybody, shut off your phones. Now, what happens is they start influencing him. And you know what he starts to do? He starts to worship other gods. I know that this has never happened to any of you. But their friends let him. Everything that Jehoiada had taught him flew out the window. And he was with cooler, slicker, smarter, you know, neater friends. Listen. I know that a lot of you are here right now and you got kids and you're going, I wish my kid was here to listen to this. I'm not talking to your kids. I'm talking to the person sitting in your seat. And he had, so uh, Joash had these men who led him and they started to worship different idols and they started to trust false things and they started to believe in things that were not of God. Sure, this lifestyle is okay. Listen, it's the way God made you. Sure, you can hang out this way. It's, listen, if you have a desire, do it. Sure, you can. I mean, some of us, right, we can identify, right? Yeah, of course you can do that. Listen, if no one catches you, there's nothing wrong. Listen, no harm, no foul, right? And he had these people lead him astray. So after a while, after a while, there's one person who's brave enough to go to the king and rebuke him. And you know who it is? It's Jehoiada's son, Zechariah. Now, before I tell you about that, it's, it's what you don't, you don't want to miss what's going to happen. I want to tell you a story about in this church, about how God uses people to influence others. There's a guy who came to this church a few years ago after coming to a retreat. He was a self-proclaimed atheist. In fact, when we met him, we started all calling because we don't nobody uses last names in this church. So we got to like invent the last name for you, right? So it's like Ed the Carpenter, Joe the Plumber, you know, right? Like we got to do that, right? And so in this church, we was like Bob the Atheist, right? And so right, that works well, right? Why not? And so, hey, Bob the Atheist. <laughs> and so, but he started to come to the church. He came, he came to a retreat that we had, and he started to come to church. Now, he was in a 12-step group, and he had a 12-step sponsor. And God got so a hold of 
Bob's life, the transformation was absolutely unmissable, and it was beautiful, and it was wonderful. And it, it, honestly, if I think about it a lot, I get emotional about it because God can, st- God is still in the business of transforming lives, and He so transformed this young man's life that he he gave his heart to Jesus, start serving in the Lord, start doing great things. Well, one day Bob is going to get baptized, right? And we do this evangelistic thing that when you get baptized, you got to invite like 2,000 people because everybody's got to see this. like bigger than your wedding, right? Because you might get divorced, but you can't get unbaptized, right? This is like your only ones, right? And don't get divorced, by the way. If you're having troubles, go to counseling. But um, we have that here. Sorry. I have to say that sometimes because some of y'all get me nervous with what you pick up on. But pastor, you said you might get divorced. Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. So Bob came up to a podium very similar to this one. And he shared how Jesus had transformed his life. And you know who was in the audience? his sponsor. You know what happened? He just wept and wept. He said, how could, if God could do that with him, he could do that with me. You want to hear something really cool? He's getting baptized today. So with that, I'm going to ask George to come up and share his testimony. My name is George, and uh, you know, I came here because of Bob, and um, you know, I, I need to go back. You know, like I'm one of eleven kids, right? I got polio on my right arm when I was three months old, and uh, I was always treated different, you know, than my other brothers and sisters. I was raised in a Roman Catholic church, baptized, communion, was forced to go to church as a kid. And I was about 10 years old when I started to question, if there's a God and he is so powerful, then why out of 11 kids, why did I get polio and not them? Why was I always treated the way I was? Why was I left? in an Irish Catholic hospital for over four years. Thought I was cat I thought I was Irish and I came home, I found out I was Puerto Rican. <laughs> you know, I, I was I was in this hospital and I came home and confused, you know. Um, I was in my and I and I was in I wonder, was I in the way of my parents, you know, 11 kids? Maybe they couldn't afford me, so they left me over there. You know, I didn't know. I acted out with anger. When I was 13 years old, famous 13, I started hanging out with other guys who were drinking and sniffing glue. I became that person that my mother always told me to stay away from. You know, I got married 
had two young, beautiful kids, a boy and a girl, good wife. But I didn't follow Jesus. They went to church. I would make my cameo appearances. Or when they got baptized or they did their communion or confirmation or Christmas, you know. I turned to alcohol and drugs for my comfort. After 18 years of hell with me, my ex-wife left. She left. I lost them. I lost the house, the car, the polyester pants, the platform shoes, all that good stuff. Most of all, I lost me. I decided to go to a fellowship and get help in 1991. I went for my ex-wife and, and relapsed. I came to the fellowship again for me. I stayed clean, started working the steps. The steps brought me to God. I didn't know it at the time, but I know now. God sent me there. I found a power that was loving, caring, and greater than myself. I started to go to church again, but I still didn't feel comfortable with the God. I didn't feel part of the church. I started sponsoring men at the meeting. We would go to my house on Wednesdays and Thursdays. We learned that we needed to get more spiritually connected to stay and get and get closer to the God of our understanding. There was one person who relapsed and didn't want nothing to do with God. He was the atheist. I knew then that I had a purpose in life. God was using me to help other members like me. This one was going to take everything that I had. I told him to pray when he went home. He said he didn't know how to pray. I said, so when you, well, you can start with the serenity prayer. He started to believe in God. He was a big, a very big challenge because if you didn't believe in God, you, you couldn't stay clean. He was the person who needed tangible evidence his name is Bob L. As we started to work the 12 steps, I seen a change in him. He then shocked me by inviting me to church. He told me that he was attending services at NBT. I heard about it, but I was not a big believer in church. I got smacked by a nun when I was doing my confirmation, but never finished. I had a big resentment with that church. I came to MBT because Bob was getting baptized. Yes, this was a miracle happening. <sighs> My wife and I were still in shock. <laughs> That's when I decided to come to MBT. I was sick with overactive thyroid glands. I needed someone to talk to besides my wife and my friends at MBT. I got introduced to Pastor Edward. After the sermon on Sundays, I would talk to him. I started to like coming to MBT. People were very nice and greeted my wife and me with open arms. This is a loving and caring group of people from all kinds of life. But I still had my doubts about Jesus. Pastor Edwin would always tell me, Jesus wants to help me. I couldn't get rid of him now. Every way I went, 
He was there. I was very, he was very instrumental in making my decision to turn my life and my will over to Jesus. I thought God was God and Jesus was his son. They were two different entities. When I took class 101, then I learned the difference. They are one. I made a I made the ultimate decision to follow Jesus. My life has changed. I've become more God-centered instead of self-centered. Jesus has made me a more loving and caring husband, brother, son, employee at work. I used to say I work holy cow all the time. Now I say, holy Jesus. They look at me weird. My wife still looks at me with suspicion. I was very, I was a very lustful person. And I remember when I read, when I read here in the books, one of the commandments says that if you even look or think about another woman with your heart, you're cheating. I said, holy Jesus, I really need help. I have gotten a whole lot better with that. At least I think so. Maybe not my wife, but I know I I know I have, and Jesus knows. I don't curse like I used to. My mother's still mad at me because I don't go to the church she goes, but she's warming up. She says at least you're going to church. My wife has a God of her own. I can't make her come to MBT with me, but I can let her. I can let her see Jesus takes care of that. She supports me no matter what. She's here tonight. I want to really thank her for coming to support me on this special day. My friends, my grandkids, my stepson, my stepdaughter. I look forward to seeing what else God has in store for me and, I, and, I, and how I can better serve Jesus. And I found six values that define me to it. Devotion, honesty, growth, health, family, and others. I believe that Jesus is doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. I hope there's somebody out there who... who, who Thought just like me and see what Jesus has done in me that if my other seven brothers, three sisters, and 56 cousins will be here today, they'd be still saying they probably paid them. <laughs> but nobody paid me. I'm here on my own. I'm here because I believe that Jesus does have a lot of work for me. And, and whatever I can do, I want to thank everybody for just being here. never gets old. I love that. Awesome. 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 And if you're here, Jesus wants to use the people who maybe have invited you here, maybe have annoyed you to come here. 
He wants it because he loves you. And he wants you to draw you to himself. The good news about Jesus, we have a high priest who promises to be with us and will never die. He's risen from the grave. His name is Jesus. And if you would surrender your heart to him, he would walk with you all the days of your life. The Bible says that he's closer than a brother. And I would just beg you to confess your sins to him. He knows already. What is it, that that moment at 3 o'clock in the morning, that Saturday? You know, that thing that you did when you were a kid? When that older man touched you, it wasn't even your fault, but you still feel shame about it? What is it? You, I tell you what, you, you confess it to Jesus. You say, Jesus, here's my sin. I'm flawed. I'm fouled up. Would you save me? And he says he will. Now, I know that there's a bunch of you here right now that are saying to yourself, listen, you're saying to yourself, but I don't have this question answered, but what about this? But that means I'll have to give up this. Listen to me. You give your heart. Don't wait till tomorrow. Why? Let me tell you, you need Jesus, not because you might die tomorrow and go to hell, but because you have to live tomorrow. You need him for your marriage. Listen, you need him for your marriage. You need him for your workplace. You need him for the tumultuous times we're in. And here's what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that Jesus can become your Savior. Aren't you tired of that guy being your Savior? Aren't you tired of that kid being your Savior? Aren't you tired of that girl being your Savior? Listen, I don't want you to have false idols. False, I don't want you to run to fall, like with the princes of Jerusalem who would run to false idols, sex, money, power, uh, looking for love in all the wrong places, women, men, prestige, property. I don't want you to run to these things. I want you to run to the only one who really can save you. Do it today. Now, some of you are thinking about that, and I just, there's a yellow card in front of you. I just want you, not in front of you, it's in your bulletin. Just want you to pull that out. If you're here for the first time, if you're here for the first time, I want you to fill out as much as you feel comfortable with. I want everybody to play. There's a pencil in front of you. You can fill it out. We use this for prayer. If you have a prayer request, please don't tell us to pray for like the universe or pray for the world. I mean, we will if you ask us to, but why don't you have us pray for your marriage? And, you know, and so that when you see it transformed, we, and I'm, I promise you, the leaders take their time to pray for this. And so you put your prayer request in there and you write it down. I promise we'll pray for you. Put your name, your number. If you put your email, a lot of times, I know for the last two weeks, a lot of times the Lord has given me uh, an impression to call a lot of you. And just, or, or e not so much call, but email. And so I've emailed quite a few of you. Please put your email, put your phone number down there. We want to hear from you. Even if you have service suggestions, you can put that. But now watch this. If you want to give your heart to Jesus, give it to him now. Just say, you know what? I, and here's what we do in this church. 
If you want to surrender your life to Jesus, I want you to just write a number one. If you write a number one, that'll let us know that you just gave your heart to Jesus. We will follow you up on that and we'll encourage you. Get into 101. Do you know that 101 starts today, the same 101 class that George went to, that he gave his life to heart and heart to Jesus to? That 101 class is starting today. I'm teaching it. I promise I won't bore you to tears. Well, not all classes. But, but I promise I will, we will talk about um, God and growing in Christ and growing in your faith. So I just want you to keep that in mind. Now listen to me. God will use the people around you to draw you closer to himself. Now, if, he's gonna, if God is going to use people to grow your faith, and if it's true that friends determine your future, listen to me. How are you cooperating with that? How are you doing with that? Are you? Are you pushing away the right people and embracing the wrong people? Think about this. Don't let this... Listen, some of you are married and you got friends that you have no business being friends with. Married men... Listen, if you... Can I say this for just a half a minute? Listen, if you're married, what are you doing hanging around with a pack of single dudes? Like, what good is going to come out of that? Like, you don't even need me to tell you that. Your wife has told you that a hundred times, right? If you're a woman and you're single, you don't need to be listening to your single girlfriends telling you, well, that man's never going to change. You need to... I got a man I can introduce you to. That don't need to be your story. There are people in your life that if I asked you right now, name them. Who's drawing you away from the Lord? You would say, so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. And if I said the same question in a different, or a different question, similar question, I said, now, who is drawing you closer to Jesus? You would say, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so. Here's my question. Who are you plugging into more and more lately? Because, listen to me, friends will determine your future. And you'll either have a future in Jesus, a future of being saved from hell, a future of surrendering your life to Christ, a future of walking in Him, a future of living for Jesus, a future of drawing others to Jesus, a future of letting others in your communities and your neighbors to know the power of Jesus. You'll either have that or you'll have just a little bit more of what you've gotten throughout the past. Listen, listen. Let me make the test easy for you. Choose the friends who help you to grow in Jesus. I encourage you. So what are you going to do? Here's what I want you to do. This week, I want you to do something simple. Make a list. Who are the friends that I need to help? I need to draw. And, and maybe they're friends that you only know on a first name basis. Maybe you just met them here a couple of times. Maybe you just met them here today. You know, and you were telling them your story. Oh, so-and-so helped me. And so and you said, and something in your heart said, you know what? I want to grow closer to Jesus. I want to, I want to grow closer to this person because they seem closer to Jesus. Maybe it's that person. Men with the men, women with the women. Can we, do we have to say that, right? You know, because I don't want you, you know. Oh, it was God who brought us together. No, please don't. Not yet. Okay, thank you. So, um, I got to do so many disclaimers. Y'all make me nervous. Um, so watch this. Connect what who is that's gonna help you grow? Is let me tell you, is it the Wednesday small group, right? The women in the small group, we have a women's group, we have a marriage group, we have a men's group, we have a youth group. Is it is it one of those groups that are gonna help you grow in Christ? Maybe if you've you've been avoiding those, 
It starts at 6.30 for prayer, 7 o'clock for a devotional, and then 7.30 we get into um, our small groups. You need to show up there. Is 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 it those people who invited you here? Maybe you don't like them too much. Maybe you need to connect with them. Now, who do you need to get away from? Who do you know who's like your best friend? Oh, what's up? Jenny on the block. What's up? How you doing? But you know, every time you meet them, they give you nothing but bad suggestions. They lead you in nothing. And I don't even have to load this up. You know, their name has already come up in your mind. Isn't that true? Who do you need to get away from? Because watch this. In the end, intentions will not determine your future. Hope will not determine your future. Desires will not determine your future. In the end, say it with me. Friends determine your future. So choose your friends wisely. Let's pray. Father, you are a gracious and holy God. I am so grateful that you've given us a high priest, our God, Jesus, to intercede and save us. Father, I pray that many here would draw to yourself. Father, that we would be broken before you and seek your face. Surrender, confessing our sins, surrendering our lives to you, allowing you to be the boss of our lives. Father, I pray that you would do this in a meaningful and powerful way, even now in this moment. Father, those of us who are here who have friends, who are just leading us astray, Father, would you help us to just run away from them? And those who you've brought into our lives, we wouldn't have planned for these friends. We wouldn't have tried to make friends with these guys. But they're pursuing Jesus. And, and, and Lord, I think, I think you're nudging our heart to say, develop your relationship with them. Father, would you do that? Would you draw us to those people? Would you help us to not pick up the phone, not return a text message, not email, not instant message? Those people who, are draw, who will draw us further away from you. But Lord, draw to those people who are going to grow us in Christ. And then Lord, as we grow in Christ, I pray that you would help us to get back to those other friends to draw them to yourself so that more people could know about you. Lord, I pray that you would make us like Bob. Make us like Bob, an attractor of other people. Draw him to yourself. Make us like George, who would bring his family and draw his friends so that they might know Jesus. And Lord, more than anything else, make us like Jesus so that we might love you and serve you in perfect obedience. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen to me.